Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Not to uh, re-preach the message I did last week, but uh, with the importance of doing community together, living life connect with one another, uh, I want to tell you a funny story. I had an actual opportunity to go to the, I told you, the golf uh, group this past week. And uh, I didn't tell the golf group before I came that we had a couple guys that were joining it for the first time. Uh, I said, I want to specifically play with them. And uh, we got together, and uh, it just so happened that the, the two guys that were joining the group were golf pros at another golf course. And uh, so we, we wiped the whole field. It was, it was great. It was the best I'd ever done. Uh, we used one of my shots. It was fantastic. We used the rest of theirs. Uh, and, but, uh, no, it was, it was a good laugh that we all had afterwards. Uh, get involved in a group. It really is one of the things that's going to help you grow. But also what you don't know is that there's a chance that you go and you might have conversation to add uh, that, that will help other people grow. And so I think it's important for us to grow together. Today, specifically, we're going to talk about the importance of prayer when it comes to the church, though. Uh, when Eric and I first started Coastline, when we came together with the core team and tried to uh, come up with what would be the core values, the three main things that we would build the church off of, uh, they, were, they were connect. I think it's important for us to connect with Christ and connect with each other each Sunday. Uh, the, the second one was grow. Any things that are healthy, grow. Spiritually, we should grow. As a church, we grow. And the last one is go. We should be putting our faith into action. Specifically, when it comes to prayer, though, prayer is something that covers all three of these bases. Because prayer is a tool that we utilize to, one, to connect with Christ, right? We connect with God. It's this relational conversation that we're having from us to him and from him to us. We grow spiritually as we do this more and more because I, I promise you if you are praying regularly spiritually, you will also be growing. And it, you cannot go through life and pursue, pursue Christ and have a time of prayer each and every day and not be challenged to put your faith into action, to go and do what God has called you to do. And so of, of all the things that we've discovered in these past four weeks as we're in the fifth one now. This is one that covers all three of these bases of the core values at Coastline. I think it's important for us to know that when it comes to being pursuit of a relationship with Christ, when it comes to being a Christ follower, when it comes to being part of the church, not just Coastline, but, but the church, it's important for us to know that we should be praying. Now, here's the thing that's tough about it is is a lot of people struggle with this because they're like, Brian, I don't, I don't know the words to say. I don't, know, I don't know what we should be praying. I don't know how to pray. Who am I praying to? There's some things that, that there's some misconceptions that we've had even about prayer our own selves. The thing, the, the, what we know about prayer right now either comes from uh, one of maybe four or five different things. One of those is, is through our expl- ex- exploration of the word. The second one might be from like preaching or podcasts that we listen to. The third one's probably from people we know. And the last one's maybe from our family, right? We, uh, anyone here grow up with a praying mama or praying grandma? Yep, for sure. I'm pretty sure I passed senior English in high school because my mom prayed me right through it. I don't know. That's what she says anyways. 
I passed by the skin of my teeth, and a lot of it had to do with my mom's prayers. But we've learned this from other people, and I think it's important for us to discover it for ourselves, and, and primarily to understand where it comes from and what we should be doing from the authority himself, Jesus Christ. And so there's a, there's a story in the Bible we're going to get to here in a minute in which the disciples which had just started to follow Jesus, that were coming around him. These were guys that, that ne- did not necessarily grow up religious. you got to remember, Jesus didn't go out and pull disciples that, that were like the best of their class in uh, seminary or in Bible college. These guys weren't the guys that got straight A's or, or had huge uh, you know, amounts of faith. These were blue-collar guys, guys that were fishermen, guys that were tax collectors that would have actually been traitors to their people. He gathered these people around, and he's teaching them as they go. And up until this point, their understanding of prayer has either come from the religious people and their teaching of that day or from their family. And no matter whatever they were doing, it must have been different than what Jesus was. Because no point up until this does Jesus try to pressure them or push them to say, to like, to, 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 let me tell you what you're doing wrong when it comes to how you pray. He doesn't do this. But at some point, he does it enough. He prays, and they see them enough that it makes them inquire of, okay, what, what's, what's he doing different? So I want to pick this up. Uh, if you're looking at the Church Center app or uh, the Bible app, you can uh, pull up Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Um, the other thing, too, is if you're on the Church Center app, these are all in order. You don't even have to search. You just tap on it. You're, it's kind of like cheating, but in a good way. Kind of like me in the golf life group, our golf group. It was great. It wasn't really cheating. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. I can't help but think that at some point they're, they're sitting there and they, view, they see Jesus as he's praying, they've seen him do this time and time again, and, and they're all talking amongst themselves, and they're realizing, hey, this is different than what we're doing. This is different. This, you're doing something different than what he's doing for sure. And so I don't know if they, like, drew straws or, you know, rolled dice or whatever, but someone drew the short straw and had to go ask, okay, Jesus, what are we doing wrong? And Jesus, in the most loving and compassionate way that you can think of, doesn't just correct them, but he leads them and teaches them. He says, this is, what, this is what prayer should look like. And I think he's still, Jesus is still doing this same thing for us today. My hope and prayer is that never from this stage, never from, from this, uh, I guess it's a pulpit or whatever, a polling platform, you never feel, get to the point where you feel like you're being talked down to or you're being condemned or convicted because that's not, I believe, the heart of what Jesus does. But I think what he, what he does is he teaches and he pulls and he helps draw out of you the things, the adjustments that you need to make. And so today, don't, I hope you don't feel any conviction or anything like that when, I'm, when we're talking about this or what Jesus says. But maybe this is a challenge to, to come along, a challenge to take the next steps when it comes to how you pray. So he says this to them. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. says, when you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly in the streets and on the corners or in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. 
If you've, you've been around Coastline before, you've heard me preach on, on this specific verse. I love the fact that, that Jesus starts out, he says, when you pray. He doesn't say if you pray. He doesn't say when the, when the time comes around, when it's convenient, when, when the, the roof is caving in and everything is on fire and you've got nothing in your bank account. He doesn't say when that happens, this is how you pray. He says, he says when, like, like it's something we're supposed to do. Like this is a part of it. And the only thing I can relate this to is, is this morning uh, with my, my two sweet little kids. Sunday mornings, uh, I don't get a whole lot, or Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday morning, I don't get a whole lot of sleep. Uh, I'm up at like 4.30 in the morning. Early, I got sunrise service that, I'm, that we're preparing for and that we do each week. Um, so 4.30 in the morning, I'm up, and I'm putting the last finishing touches on my notes and getting everything together. And uh, at about 5.30, I hear the, the door to my kids' rooms open up, and here they come. They're out. They're awake. It's the weekend, but no one told them that. They'll sleep on the weekday when they got to go to school, but the weekend when they're supposed to sleep in, any moms have that problem? Any dads? A couple of them? My son, Ben, he comes out like someone already gave him a Red Bull or something like that. You know, he's just already at 11, ready to watch some TV, you know, and and do whatever. Uh, Olivia, on the other hand, though, she comes out. She's a little bit tired. She crawls up in my lap. And at nine years old, she's getting like almost too big for it. So I'm like trying to, you know, hold these long legs and these giant feet now. But it's one of the most sweetest times is when they, when they come up to me and they, they want to spend time and they want to connect. It's something I, I want to do every day that I can. It's one of these things that no matter how old they get, no matter how much I observed what happened in their day before or I know what's going to be planned for their day that day, I want to hear from them. I want to have them talk to me. I want to be able to talk to them. I want to have that time to connect. I believe this is the same thing that the God of the universe wants with you and him. I believe that as, as the good father, and, and I'm, we're going to talk about fatherhood in a minute, and I, I'm sorry, and I understand that some of you did not grow up with a good father. And I want to tell you that uh, as, as a father, I want to apologize to you for that. Because that's not what, what you experience is, is not what I believe biblical fatherhood should be. But my hope is that, that as we pursue Christ together, that we get to experience biblical fatherhood from the Father himself, from God Almighty. And he desperately wants you to spend time with him and for him to spend time with you. But much like a father, if I go chasing my kids around, say, hey, no, no, no come here, you got to spend time with me. Hey, come here, we got to go do this. We got to, I want to talk about this. If, 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 if that's how the relationship works, the relationship does not grow. God wants you to pursue a relationship with him, and he's there to pursue a relationship with you. He wants to be the good father. He wants you as the sons and daughters to spend time with him. And so it's not, it's not a matter of, of if you should pray or when the world's falling apart and you pray, but when something regularly we should do. But he goes on in that verse, chapter, five, or chapter 6, verse 5. He says, uh, the hypocrites love to pray publicly in street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. He says, it's not about what other people, when it comes to prayer, it's not about what other people see. It's not about that, that you are perceived as holy. None of that stuff matters at all. He goes on and he says, this is what you should do. He says, but when you pray... Go away by yourself. 
shut the door behind you and pray to the Father in private. He says, then your Father will see everything and will, will reward you. It's one of those things that it's sometimes to, to, to make sure we have time to, to have that real relationship, to have that true connection with him. There's some things that we're going to have to put away for a little bit. Man, one of the things that, uh, that is such a powerful tool is the, the do not disturb button on your cell phone. Any of you guys use that? Some people probably don't. You probably, you might not because you're afraid. And I've been in the same place. You're afraid, like, I'm going to miss something. I'm, I'm telling you, that do not disturb button is great. You need to use that more often. Put that thing on. That phone doesn't beep, doesn't go off, doesn't, it's, it's just complete silence. I think sometimes God says, hey, when it comes to us having a conversation, let's not have any distraction. Go away by yourself. Spend some time in a room. Close the door behind you. Turn the phone to do not disturb. And let's just, let's just talk. So that's, that's the how so far. This is, this is how you should pursue. This is, so it's by yourself. It's alone. It's, a, it's as, a, as a son or a daughter to a father. But some of you are worried. You're like, Brian, I, I still don't know the words to say. Like, do I recite things? Do I? And, and I'm going to tell you, it, Jesus says this next. In verse 7, it says, when you pray, it says, don't babble on as Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Olivia and Ben this morning as they climb up in my lap and we're spending time together, um, I want to hear what is going on in their lives. Ask them about school. I already know what's going on in school, but I ask them about school. I ask them about what happened when they spent time with their grandparents. I ask them what they got planned for this next day. And, as, and, 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 and it's not so much about them sounding eloquent to me. I don't care if my kids use proper pronunciation or I can't even say the word for crying out loud. I don't care if they put run-on sentences I don't care if they repeat themselves. I just like it when they talk to me. I think it's the same thing with God. If you don't know the words to say, that's not a bad place to be. Just talk to him like you would talk to, to anybody else. There's times where I've been frustrated and I've talked to God. There's times where I've cried and I've talked to God. There's times where I've been so full of joy and I've talked to God. And I think he wants to experience all of that with you. It's not about the words you say. You don't have to know the religious vernacular or have the right Christianese words to say. Just be yourself. Here he here knows who you are anyways. You don't have to put on a good face. Continuing on, it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says, this then is how you should pray. It says, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Jesus teaches his disciples, he said the first things that you should say, the first thing that should come out as he, as he gives them the Lord's Prayer, which is a fantastic prayer. I think you can recite it if you want to, but it's also a fantastic blueprint for how to pray. It's a plan. It's, a, it's an outline for, for the things that you could be praying for. The first thing he says is, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's this perfect balance of approaching, being able to approach God as a father, 
but also understanding with respect and understanding the authority of who you're talking to and the creator of heaven and earth. It's this beautiful, this beautiful balance. He said, this is how you should approach understanding the love of a father and what he is capable of doing. Man, I remember as a kid when I talked to my dad, if I had a problem, I, I would bet he could have fixed, could fix anything, right? How many of you guys have dads, or maybe your dads where your kids think the same thing, right? It's like anything that breaks, man. I, I'll tell you what, there's nothing that makes me feel better than when my kids bring me like uh, a toy that needs batteries and they can't get it out. Because it's like super, I'll take a drill, pull it out, put new batteries in, man, fix the day, right? No problem whatsoever, easy to do. God, in the same way, I believe, wants to help us with the struggles that we're dealing with. And although that we might think, man, this is too bigger, too much, uh, this is way bigger than what I can handle alone. I don't have the tools that are needed. I don't have the power and the ability to, to fix this situation. For him, the creator of heaven and earth, it's, it's no problem. It's easy. He's got the tools. He's got the power. He knows exactly what to do. All he wants from you is to bring it to him. Verse 10 of chapter 6, it says, Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, he says, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is probably the, the toughest part of praying. And I think as it is the toughest, it's also the most impactful to us and will allow us to grow the most. Because what's described here is a position of surrender. Because many of us, we can come out and we can pray for the things that we want, right? I remember being 16 years old and I wanted a Mustang GT so bad. It was uh, this, uh, what was it called? Mystic Green was the color. It was like color change. Some of, you guys, some of you guys in the room, you definitely know what I'm talking about here. I wanted one so bad. It was my first car, 16 years old. I prayed for it. I said, God, let me get this Mustang GT. I think it was a Cobra GT. I'm going to tell you, that prayer did not go the way I wanted it to. Didn't happen. That uh, Mustang GT Cobra turned really quickly into a two-door Honda Accord hatchback that I think three out of four cylinders work on. It was, and sometimes it had brakes. It was great. God didn't answer the prayer that I wanted it to, but what about if it's not about my will, it's his will? Ben gets up in my lap this morning, as we're talking about what we're doing for breakfast, he looks at me with these beautiful little puppy dog eyes, says, Dad, do you think I could have a root beer? I'm like, no, son, it's 5.30 in the morning. We're not passing out root beers here right now. It's crazy. That's what he wants. But as a father, I, I, know, I know what's best for him. I know that's n maybe not what he needs. Some of us get disheartened or we get frustrated because we pray for something. And we're like, why didn't that work out? Why didn't that job work out the way I wanted it to? But what if him saying no is not so much about you not getting your way, but it's about protection for he knows what's going to happen if he did go through that door. There's been a couple times here as a church where we've gotten to a point where we're really close on a deal for leasing a facility or, or trying to buy some property or something like that. And we got close and then all of a sudden it didn't happen. 
It would be real quick for me to, to, to think negatively and get frustrated. But I always come back to this verse, and I understand that, God, it's, it's not my will. You, you know what's best. Your will be done here on this earth in my life. Not, not what I want, but what you want. This is an easy thing to do, and, and we see Jesus had this same struggle. Towards the end of his life, as he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he comes to God and he says, God, I, I know what's going to happen next. I know what's about ready to happen here soon. And if there's a way, if there's a different way, there's another, then I want to choose that. I want, I want this to work out a different way. But he ends the prayer with this. It's the same thing that he taught his disciples. He says, not my will, but your will be done. And as I read this this past week, I realized that maybe this is one of the biggest points when it comes to us praying. Maybe it's an adjustment to our position where the world says it's all about you, 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 you. It's all about what you need and what you want. Maybe in this time we understand we have a Heavenly Father that knows what's best for us. And rather than just going out on our own and doing our own thing, we're saying, God, Father, what, what you want to happen, let that happen. Your will be done, not my will. It's about, prayer is about a position of surrender. Jesus continues on. He tells the disciples, uh, he said, when you pray, pray like this. He says, give us today the food that we need. I already know, as a father, I already know when Ben is hungry. I know when he needs to be, I know after church today, he's going to be hitting me up saying, hey, let's go to Dustin's Barbecue, which is a fantastic church place, which I hope none of you guys go today because then we won't be able to get in. You guys need to go to Outriggers, okay? That's where Outriggers is a fantastic lunch place. But he's going to say, hey, can we go? Can we go with Dallas, which is my, co- or my nephew, their cousin? Can we go to Dallas? We want, we want to go to lunch. We're hungry. I already know they're going to be hungry, but I'm okay with them asking. I talked to a guy years ago, and he told me, he said, Brian, I know I'm not supposed to pray for me. I'm supposed to pray for other people. And I stopped him, and I told him, I said, man, that's not the case. Whoever told you that was, was mistaken, they might not have meant it that way, or maybe, that, maybe it was interpreted differently, but, but God is totally fine with you as his son and his daughter coming to him and asking him for the things that you need or that you want. That's, that's something that he, he wants you to be a part of your prayer. So much so that his son, who is the only one to do life perfectly, says like specifically when you pray, pray for these things. Pray for the things that you need, the things that, that you want. Don't be afraid. And lastly in verse, or secondly in verse 12, he says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. This is the one that's easier said than done. I, I believe that many times there's things in our lives that cause uh, shame in us or things that we feel like discredit us from being able to approach God. Maybe there's, there's been a separation. And because we're ashamed of it, because when we know there's separation, it, it keeps us from going and pursuing him. It keeps us from going and, and having a conversation because we know it's going to come up. Unfortunately, it, we live in a world, and I've done this myself too, where, where tough times, uh, tough things, tough conversations uh, have to come up, and we, and we just shy away from them. 
But God is a good enough father that he knows that that's not what he wants. That's not what is best for you. If there's something that's keeping you from him, if there's something that, that you feel like you've done wrong, man, that's the thing he wants to talk to you about. Not for the purpose of punishment, but the purpose to help and pull along and help you get through what you're going through. Man, I hope that I'm the dad that, that when my kids struggle and have a tough time, that when they've done something wrong, they're not afraid to come to me and tell me about it. But then they know that they can come to me and love, I'll, I'll help them through what they're going through. Jesus reminds his disciples, he said, if you're going to ask for forgiveness, and you should, also remember that you're supposed to forgive as well. It's not an easy thing for us to do because we've been hurt. Because people are, are sometimes really dumb. People say things that are not very sensitive. There's people in this world that are out for themselves. But Jesus says part of what we're supposed to do when it comes to our, our pursuit of God, when it comes to our time in prayer, we're supposed to also forgive those that have hurted, hurt us. And he finishes with this. He says, when you, when you pray, so pray like this. He said, do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Rescue us. I was watching a video this past week of, it was talking about how when it comes to prayer, which is one of the most powerful things, Prayer is not, God, help me escape from, help me not have to go through, but in the midst of a tough situation, rescue me, rescue me in the midst of it. And the person I was watching, they specifically used the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are three guys that the king of their time told them that they must bow down to a statue, says, and we're not going to do it, we serve God and God only. And because of this uh, defiance, the king threw them into a fiery furnace. And in the midst of their continued pursuit of God, it wasn't so much that he made it where they did not have to go into the fire as much as he rescued them in the midst of the fire. Because of their relationship with him, they were able to get through what they were going through. The man also talked to me and said, you think about the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel pursued God. He had a time where he, he would pray to God every day. And even in the midst of the, of the king of that time saying, you're not supposed to pray to anybody. He continues to pray to God to the point where the king throws him into the pit of the hungry lions. And it wasn't one of those things where where because he prayed, he was able to circumnavigate the pit and go around it, but in the midst of what he was going through, because of his relationship, God rescued him out of the middle of it. And I believe that today, maybe there's some of you that he wants to do the same thing. And so I want to challenge you with this coastline. 
when it comes to your relationship with God, when it comes to being part of the church, not Coastline Church, but the body of believers. It's not so much about what happens in these 70 minutes of listening to Kayla leading some amazing worship and, and us getting together and high-fiving one another and listening to a little bit about the Word. It, hap- it matters a whole lot more of what you do maybe in the first 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes of the day when you start your day off with Him. I'm challenging you with this. If you don't pray, pray. Start, start praying. Start off small. It doesn't have to be big. If you already pray, I want to challenge you to take the next step and pray more often. And lastly, if, you, if prayer is part of your daily life, I want to challenge you to take the next step and pray boldly. To, to, not, just, to not just connect, but to pray and, and ask for God to show up in ways that are bigger than what you can even imagine. Because I'm going to tell you right now, my kids, they'll come to me and they say, Dad, can you put this together? Can you, can you fix this? But they don't understand what I'm, I'm really capable of and what I could really do. All they have to do is ask. God's feeling the same that way. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here today, you say, Brian, I'm, I feel like I'm far from Christ. Maybe you're here today and you, you haven't started a relationship with him, and today you want to. Maybe you want to take the first step into what would be uh, praying and starting a relationship with him. Maybe you never received Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want you to repeat this after me. You can repeat it to yourself if you want to, or you can repeat it out loud. This is prayer of salvation. It goes like this, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as a savior. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again from the grave and you did so to pay the price for my sins and my shame. Right now, Jesus, I declare that you are Lord of my life. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus, I thank you so much for how you've challenged us through your teaching here today. God, I pray that today what we read and how we heard you talk, it would not just stop here, but it would resonate through the rest of today, the rest of this week, and for the months to come. God, I pray that tomorrow as we pull our head off the pillow, as we get ready to start the day out, that you would remind us to take that posture of surrender, that posture of saying your will be done, not my will be done. That we'd find freedom and understanding that we don't need to know the right words. That we don't have to come up with any religious rhetoric. But that we can just pursue you as your sons and your daughters. And I thank you so much for how our relationship with you will grow in the midst of this. And God, I pray for those that are going to start this week praying bold prayers. Bold prayers over their family, over their jobs. Bold prayers over their church. God, I thank you so much for what's to come. I believe wholeheartedly as we continue to pursue you, as we continue to surrender to you, that the best is still yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.